Welcome to Blue Jays Happy Hour Live, episode 26, I believe, although I did not check it this time foolishly. Uh, we are coming to you after a fairly dominant showing from the Blue Jays, both on Sunday, but more particularly in this series. Uh, coming out of the All-Star break, I don't know how seriously you were taking to the, Re- the Red Sox, and we can get into that, but the idea was that this was one of those teams that was in the wild card race with the Blue Jays, and I'm not saying that they're firmly dead, although I probably will say that later. Uh, this looked like an important series, and they put on a heck of a performance. Yeah, they really did. I mean, it could have gone, uh, it could have gone the other way, really, and uh, it wouldn't have been entirely surprising based on a lot of what we've seen so far this year from the Jays. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was real good. I mean, like you say, Friday, like you said off air, Friday was uh, made everything else sort of anticlimactic, but uh, but Friday happened. <laughs> that was a real thing that happened, and uh, and yeah, uh, credit to them. I mean, who knows what. Uh, uh, there's an alternate universe where they stumbled here out of the, of the block, and I think that's something that we've uh, uh, we've heard or we've seen them do in other years. I know, you know, the, the it's always like a trap series coming out of the All Star break. So to see them succeed the way that they have here, uh, pretty good. Yeah, I mean, we'll start with this particular game just because I think the majority of this podcast we do have to talk about Friday because it was quite literally a historic event for the franchise. <laughs> Um, but this one, you know, again, a you know, pretty comfortable win. Stripling looked sort of fine. They weren't going to push him deep based on his layoff. You had a pretty good bullpen day, except Trevor Richards did the thing where he looks like he throws stuff that no one can hit, and then suddenly they hit a home run. Uh, that was pretty predictable. Vladdy had one of the worst four-hit days you're going to see from him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Nothing impressive about any of his hits, but they all came together nicely. Uh, one thing that I thought was interesting was it seemed like this was a bit of a Tapia appreciation day where a lot of people seemed to realize, and I think there was a graphic on the broadcast about what he'd done over the last 50 games and how he'd been sort of rated right among the Blue Jays' top hitters, and he had that big bases-clearing triple that obviously Pat Tabler called, and that was uh, a deal in and of itself. But I don't know if that's a big takeaway from this game, but I thought that was interesting. And then, uh, you know, the Red Sox fielding sequence there was just, I don't know if you want, if you're a Blue Jays fan and they've, you know, they go to Detroit or something and a team that's not supposed to be any good and there's no threat that you don't see all the time and don't care about. Maybe Detroit's a bad example because of prior rivalries or whatever, but say as the Arizona Dimebacks do that, you're like, Oh, okay. But watching the Red Sox do it is just a little bit of a different flavor. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was a real rough series for them, all like all around. And uh, you know, I mean, we you know you don't want it, to. It's funny that that a lot of times people don't recognize the flaws of the teams around them when you're so focused on like how tough you know the Blue Jays had it or were making it on themselves for a while there. Uh, there's flawed teams around them. It turns out the Red Sox, uh, obviously, being one of them. And you know, like, I mean, I think I would scoff at the notion. Uh, if, uh, if, if this, if the Blue Jays were in this situation, but it's like, I don't know, like, are these guys, are these guys trying to get somebody fired? Like, what are, like, what are they doing out there? Uh, it was, uh, it was real bad and it was, uh, I, I don't know. It definitely felt like, you know, like obviously baseball is hard and like, <laughs> like you can't, you can't just will hits to happen, but you can put a better effort in defensively. That's like one aspect of the game where you can actually, you know, use your ability in a in a more traditional manner where it's not like 
you know, the, the a millimeter one way or the other with your bat against a ball coming towards you 99 miles an hour. Like that's that, you know, you can't, you can't really control everything about that, but defensive stuff you can. And uh, they did a really poor job of it a lot of the time this weekend. So I think the question that arises is whether it's time to break out the shovels and bury these dudes. And the reason for that question is that, you know, I think they fell to 500 after this game. Uh, great staff in the broadcast, 0-11-1 in series against the AL East. You can read off their injuries, Devers, Stories, Kiki Hernandez, uh, Chris Sale, Waka, Rich Hill, James Paxton. I know they haven't had all of those guys for a lot of the time, but... You could build a half decent team with some of the guys they're missing. Rich Hill, uh, Rich Hill, and uh, James Paxton got injured. That's crazy. Yeah, who would have thought? <laughs> uh, and yeah, and, and you know, modern day Chris Sale and, as well, and and a couple yeah. guys in the in the bullpen too. Like this team is beaten up. It's battered. A lot of their best players are missing now. You know, they're not even the first team towards the wild card. They're behind the Guardians, I believe, depending on what Seattle does. Uh, I think they're three and a half games back of the playoffs right now, and Seattle still has to play or is playing at this particular moment. And I don't know. It, it is tough. I, we've cautioned before about judging teams sort of at their best or at their worst, but it feels like, and even on the broadcast, they were talking about how there's a lot of chatter about, you know, who are the Red Sox going to trade? Normally, if you're this close to the playoffs, that's not the mentality, but this team looks a little bit defeated right now. And, you know, three games can only tell you so much, but just considering everything they're missing and, you know, it's a pretty steep hill ahead of them. And I think uh, the people running the club a little bit too, right? Like they are not afraid to, uh, to play, to play that, you know, the, the anti-fan Rays-ish kind of game, right? Or Astros-ish kind of game. I mean, the Astros have been really good for a long time, but like where they, uh, uh, yeah, they might they might just like pack it in on a season uh, more more readily than some other uh, front offices. I think uh, you know, like the, the these these are the people who traded Mookie Betts, which is you know just li- like literally an absurd thing to do. Um, <laughs> and they, you know they have guys coming up towards free agency as well, which is why you know there's value in some of their guys as rentals, which I think would would uh, would change you know changes the equation maybe a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I would I would hesitate to say like, yeah, they're cooked and they're going to sell. They should sell. Uh, if I was a Red Sox fan, I would be like, I absolutely do not do that. Like, there's enough here that we can, you know, with a couple of tweaks, we can make a really nice run. And it, it doesn't take a lot. I mean, you only have to look at the Blue Jays. I mean, the bullpen with uh, with Jimmy Garcia pitching like really well feels a lot different than uh, it did without him and, you know, with the, the cast of characters that they already have. I mean, Tim, Tim Mays has looked a little bit better. Obviously, Romano on, on, on Saturday had a had, had an excellent outing and, and one of the few noticeable, you know, one of the few things, I mean, Charlie did it a little bit, but I've been, I've been trying to make note of where, I'm like, once I get to like 10 different things I've seen from, from John Schneider that Charlie Montoya wouldn't have done, I'm going to write a post about it. Uh, not there yet, but having Romano come in and pitch, you know, extra, give, give him some extra outs, uh, maybe one of them. But uh, but yeah, the bullpen looks okay uh, at the moment. Uh, I mean, everything looks okay after a series like this. But, but but to me, if I'm a Red Sox fan, I'm like, yeah, it doesn't take a lot for it to it to get better. So I would hesitate if I were. But I think that may give the Razy kind of uh, front office they've got going on over there uh, a, enough of an excuse to just pack it all in and. and make the value play and asset management the the team to death, which is probably what they'll do. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say they're cooked. I'll, I'm willing to say. <laughs> I mean, I was reading some of the tweets. I was kind of getting into the replies on Red Sox Twitter a little bit more today than I normally would because um, I was curious. Because like you said, you could have a mindset like, wow, flush this series down the toilet, but we're still, you know, a handful of games out of this thing and we still have some talented players. And, you know, there's, you know, the route to the playoffs isn't as hard as it's been in the past. Do we really believe the Mariners are a thing? Like there is a way you can talk yourself into it. And I heard stuff out there and, you know, it's a small sample size that like people being like, I've never been more ashamed to be a Red Sox fan. And that's today. That's not during in the middle of Friday while something else is going <laughs> on. Like yeah. it, it is a grim scene over there. Fangraphs giving them 28.1% chance to make the playoffs. That's before today. Uh, probably swings at a couple points, nothing super serious. Uh, I don't know if I'm the front office. There's there's an argument to be made to try and push back into this and see what happens. I, I'm not trying to say what I would do in their spot, but I think that, like you said, the way this front office thinks, they're inclined to believe that you know we've got some good young players. We do have a pretty good farm system. We can restock that even further. And this isn't our best shot when, you know, the Yankees are this good and, you know, you can even say the Blue Jays are this good and the, you know, the Rays aren't going anywhere. It's not, e- it's not an easy position that they're in right now. And I do think it would be a defensible position to do that. Although, um, yeah, not exciting. And, you know, you're anti fan, the adjective you use, I think that's a fair adjective for kind of bailing out when you're still in the mix, but I would understand them doing that. Yeah, no, I, I think that's I think that's fair. Hey, we got a long, long time listener, not first time caller. We got we got Joe on the line. Uh, everybody else, well, be like Joe. Uh, give us a call, Joe. Nice to talk to you, man. What do you got? Uh, I was just wondering, uh, is this the worst fielding you've seen by an <laughs> team in a series like ever? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, the Blue Jays have had their fair share of rough series in the past uh, with maybe kind of just pre this core, for instance. But it is, yeah, it, it was pretty alarming to see that it, it made you feel like you were transported to a different time and place. Like it didn't feel like a major league game at times when these things are happening. Yeah. Like I felt like I was watching, you know, a high school summer league game and I'm like, wow, these guys are sort of unraveling mentally when things are going a couple things go wrong. That was especially today. And that's not supposed to happen to big league players. And it's not like it doesn't happen. We saw, uh, you know, the ALDS in 2015. Um, these things do happen occasionally and, you know, eventually they will. But it, it was it got to the point of being a little bit peculiar. Yeah, I mean, it takes a lot for me to feel bad for a, a player wearing the uniform of the Boston Red Sox. But there were times, yeah, like... You know, the, the Duran thing on Friday night didn't really feel so bad. You know, anybody can lose a ball in the, in the high sky or whatever it was. Uh, <laughs> you, can, you can probably make a better effort to go get it after you realize where it's gone. Um, but, yeah, no, like, uh, it, it, it was – I try not, I try my best not to read too much into that stuff, but sort of you – know, th- thankfully, we're not talking about the Blue Jays with this. And, uh, yeah, alarming is a great word for it. The Blue Jays had some near disasters today. Like there was a lot of fighting the sun that went on and uh, it could have easily swung the other way. But yeah, the Red Sox in particular are brutal. And yeah, I mean, we're going to have to get into the 21 eight run game just because it's, you know, it's something else entirely. But Joe, you had anything else? No, it was just weird. Like you've seen one player kind of unravel in a series, but not an entire team. It, it was crazy. 
It really, it really was. Joe, thank you so much, as always. We got another caller. We got Adam. Uh, let's see if we can do that. Here we go. All right, get, get some calls. Loving it. Loving it. Hopefully Adam didn't just hit the jump into the queue by accident. <laughs> it's happened no, I'm here. Awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, I often listen to the podcast and can't always catch the call-in uh, version, uh, but just uh, caught you guys today, so I wanted to say really appreciate your guys' work. Uh I really like the call-in format. I hope it takes off for you guys. So everybody else that's listening, 30 of you, call in with a question. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Agree. And uh, I'm going to shout out my buddy, Jonathan Routley, who is either listening or will be listening. Uh, <laughs> nice. And then uh, uh, my question is uh, trade deadline. So good vibes right now. Everybody's feeling good, positive. Um, if they don't uh, <clears throat> make a big move, Will it be a disappointment? I guess my question. Like it, you know, after this series, you can see that if everybody's playing to the true talent levels, we've got a great team. So, uh, yeah, if they don't make a big move, should we be disappointed? Thank you so much. That's, that is a that's a great question. I, I, you know, big big is relative, I guess, but I'd say yes. Like they. You know, uh, I, I mean, it's it's very funny how, to, I mean, I would have said this, I guess, all along, but it, do, it certainly doesn't feel as dumb as it would have been, like, when they were going through that road trip in Oakland and Seattle before they fired the manager and et cetera. Uh, but, yeah, like, I, I, I mean, they need to do something. They need they need some tweaks. We'll, we'll, you know, maybe we'll talk about Yasser Zueta, who's coming, apparently, and, and Scott Mitchell's been banging that drum and watching how he's, uh, you know, could, could be a piece for the bullpen, which would be very exciting and interesting. But I think they need another piece for the bullpen through the trade market. I think, you know, obviously, I mean, Andrew Benintendi ain't coming, it turns out. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think that, that, that Luis Castillo would look great here, obviously. I don't know that we should, like, if they don't do that, I don't think we should be disappointed. But, yeah, like, this is a, this is a win-down team with, a, with an opportunity to win a championship, literally. And it, as weird as it would have sounded a couple of weeks ago, uh, I think we see better now. Like, yeah, when these guys are playing at their best, this is a team that can beat anybody. Like, this was, I mean, obviously, we've just watched a really great series from them against a team that was sort of imploding. But nonetheless, like, there's a lot of talent here. Uh, and, yeah, absolutely. They should go out and, and, and make as big a splash as they can because these opportunities don't come around that often. I've been watching and writing about this team since, like, 2007. I assure you, these opportunities don't come around that often. Yeah, and I, like you said, it depends what you mean by big. I think they've learned over time that kind of patchwork bullpens can get you in trouble, and it would be, you know, it's important that they find some kind of bullpen solution at the deadline because the group has been significantly better recently, but there's a talent dispar- disparity between the Blue Jays' bullpen and some of the best in the league. Yeah, Luis Castillo, hard to say. There's going to be so many people in on those type of players that being the person that wins that is it's going to be a massive cost and the Blue Jays are not going to win the division. And so how much are you pushing in for that wild card? I get it. It's a really good team. They need a bullpen upgrade for sure. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't don't think it's going to be, you know, Soto. I don't think, you know, Castillo, I don't know what you would put their chances are from a percentage basis, but I think they need to take the bullpen thing seriously. And there's always an opportunity to do that on the trade market. I also wouldn't be surprised, you know, they're in a bit of a fifth starter bind. 
I wouldn't be surprised if you saw kind of like the deal they made for Liriano a few years back where they figured that, you know, he could help them in an area where they're, you know, it's not necessarily helping us in the playoffs or being a huge playoff game changer, but kind of getting us through the rest of the season. And maybe you see them take on a kind of back end starter, maybe someone on a bad contract in that same scenario. Again, I know as I say these words, they are not exciting <laughs> to who is listening, but I think that's the type of thing you could be looking at. Yeah, I, I, I tend to I tend to think you're right about that. Um, yeah, it's just, it's got to not be a Brad Hand, right? I mean, Brad Hand's having a pretty good year, but I, 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 for me, it's got to not be somebody who's like, uh, you know, he's not having a great year, but we, you know, he's been better in the past. You know, I, I, it should. I would like them to get had pieces that don't like require an explanation to go along with them. Yeah, Joaquin Benoit worked once, and it only kind of worked, and then it didn't. Uh, <laughs> and so that's not the model. Yeah. Oh, uh, we got Adrian on the line now too. Hell yeah, man. Let's go. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, greetings from Belgium. Um, good to nice. hear you from you again, man. Always a pleasure. Thanks. Um, I, I don't get to watch a lot of games, so I got to watch today. And Vladdy had a, a weird day in that, you know, he got <laughs> three or four hits. But, four. you know, yeah. four. Yeah, double and three singles, um, which is awesome. That's great. You know, that's what you want. But at the same time, it doesn't feel like he's kicking ass, kind of. Like, is, is Vladdy doing really well, or is he just kind of scuffling along and getting a bit lucky, I guess is my question. That's a good question. I mean, I don't think uh, – I mean, it, it's weird. Like, scuffling is all relative, right? Like, I mean, to, to, yeah. you know, if, if, if literally anybody, anybody else is hitting the way that he's been hitting, they'd be like, they're having a career month. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I know what you mean, and it ha- I felt it feels like it has for a really long time. Like he really uh, hasn't hit his stride this year yet. Yeah, and it's context is important too because the offensive environment has been significantly worse this season, and that was more early in the season um, with you know the ball potentially being dead and whatnot. So his numbers look like this really profound drop off. And it is significant, but to, you know, after today's game, he's got an 134 WRC plus compared to 166 last year. That's a big gap, but he's, you know, that's a good yeah. number. Like he is a very, yeah, a lot of teams don't have a hitter who's producing at that level. You've got to believe in the talent. Like he, he's chasing the ball a little bit more than you'd like to see, but all the indicators are there in terms of how hard he's hitting the ball. He's been on the ground a little bit more than you want to see. I don't know. Like he's the type of guy that you can definitely nitpick because the bar is so high for him. But at the end of the day, I think you know he's still that franchise level bat, and every team in the league would love to have him. And you know if he's not exactly, maybe this just isn't his season. Like over the course of his career, twenty twenty two will go down as a year that like it wasn't his best, but he was still really good. Uh, that yeah. happens to guys all the time. Yeah, it, it, I think of like a Bryce Harper who, you know, there are definitely years where it's like, okay, he was only really good and not, you know, stupendously great. But uh, it's usually, you know, it's usually in there. I mean, I'm looking at his numbers right now. He had a year where he was 135 with Reds created plus 124. That was 2018, 2019. Uh, I think actually probably exactly pretty close to it. Well, well still, he was still older than Vladdy at that point. Uh, he had a 111 year uh, going back then. Uh, and, and yet... Uh, you know, Bryce, Bryce Harper, low-key, one of the greatest players, uh, you know, of the last 20 years. I mean, he's, he's really, really good. Uh, and I think if, you know, you're real happy if Vlad is, you know, that's maybe not, like, the sexy outcome. 
uh, of Vlad's career, but if but, but that's yeah. again, like Nick says, the bar is incredibly high. That's that just speaks to that. Cool. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, always always a pleasure to hear from you, man. Appreciate it, and uh, talk to you again soon. All right. I mean, if we're gonna, we're, we're always fairly tangential, so I'm not uh, upset about being taken on courses. And if we're gonna do it, absolutely, it should be through callers. But I do want to do, drill down on this game because sure. this is why. And I, I want to talk to you a little bit about your experience of watching the game because mine was a little bit different. I didn't really sort of sit down and watch this game start to finish. Um, <laughs> yeah, and we'll, yeah, half of mine was uh, in a car on the 115. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I, I want to start with that because I, I was at a I was at a birthday party at somebody's house with people who are not particularly interested in baseball, which is a valid way to be a person, not a way that I agree with, but it's okay. There are plenty of them out there, and it was just like walking out to the the game was sort of on in a room. I don't even know why it was on, and then I would walk out to the patio with the beverage, and I'd come back and I'd be like, "Oh, now it's it's five nothing," and it's only, I don't these numbers are probably incorrect. It's only the second, and then you kind of walk back in for another one, and it's like, "Oh." Oh, it's you know it's a, it's a 15 nothing all of a sudden and then you come back and it's like oh man it's 22 to 4 whatever the case may be and i thought it was interesting that over the course of the game like this you know people were generally indifferent to this game but it just kept getting wilder and wilder and wilder and by the end of the game everyone is sitting around on the couch watching to see if they're going to set this record because you know, something about baseball and the history of baseball is that it's back, you know, it goes back so far. And sometimes that can be a bit of a weight on the shoulders of the sport is that it's so wrapped up in its history. But when you're going to set a record in baseball, it really does mean something because of the weight of all that history. And suddenly, you know, all these people who aren't particularly interested in the outcome and the outcome's already been decided are watching to, you know, to see if they can scratch across four more runs over the next couple innings and it it kind of it goes to show how special the game can be even over the course of an 162 game season where it's easy to lose track of a game on a particular night or it's easy to be like oh this doesn't really matter this is the regular season because when those things happen it is the whenever you're watching baseball you can see something you've never seen before at the ballpark and that's exactly what that was and it felt like a more profound version of that or at least it was going down the road to being that, than I can remember in a long time. No, I, I think you're right. And also just to be to for the record, I I thought you were talking about today's game. I was in the one I was on the one fifteen for that. I watched I, I I watched and I hooted and or hollered for much of the game on Friday night. Uh was was glued to that. Uh to a point. To a point like I would drift I I missed a lot of that ten run inning after the uh uh, after the drop pop up, because uh, it, man, they might have scored eleven that inning. I mean, they may have already scored runs that inning. Uh, it was it was absurd, but because it was just like okay, yeah, it's like okay, they won, but then you have to you, you do kind of get gripped by you know what what was going to happen next. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was incredible. It really was, and you know, Dan and, and Pat talked about it on the broadcast, but like. I don't know. Like I remember as a kid getting the like the Toronto. I remember the the front page of the Toronto Star sports section when they hit those ten home runs against Baltimore uh, at like old Municipal Stadium, wherever the hell it was, uh, and like eighty seven or something like that. And like the front page of the Star just like had where all of the home runs landed, like something we totally completely take for granted. But like probably the graphics department had to like 
rush that out and work in the middle of the night to like to like to, to get like a little a little graphic that showed where each like a dot where each home run landed. Uh, but I remember that because like yeah, historic stuff like that is is like exactly as you say. Like it's it's uh, it, you know it's it, it is a game steeped in that kind of stuff, and it is special when. You know, when you see like a, a six hit night, when you see a tw- 28 runs, like it, it was, it was absolutely bonkers. And, uh, I mean, the, the most, the most run scores scored against the Red Sox in Fenway Park ever. Like, I don't, I don't need another record than that. Like, that's, that was awesome. Uh, uh, that was just incredibly fun to watch, especially as I mentioned earlier. Like, sometimes the Jays will come out of the, the, the I mean, this is all anecdotal, but like, look, it feels like they'll come out of the All Star break. I remember there was like a terrible Mark Stroman start in Oakland, like, to come out of the break a couple years, like, uh, several years ago. Uh, it just always, in my sense, is that, you know, you come out of the All Star break and they kind of have a bit of a hangover and to see them, like, do the exact complete opposite was amazing as well. But the historical perspective on it. Like I, I, I don't know. Like these aren't necessarily games you, you know. If it happened to another team, you like I, I don't know who holds the record for the. I mean, I probably heard it on Friday night. Who holds the record for like the most runs scored ever in a game? I, don't, I have no fucking idea. But uh, <laughs> but I won't. I will not soon forget them dropping twenty eight on the Red Sox. And that's, I think that's part of what's so fun about it is, like you said, no one ever would have thought about that record going into that game. You know, as you wouldn't going into, you'd have to be insane to be like, oh yeah, like, let me check, let me check the record. But once it looked like it could happen, it was a monumental thing. And obviously you and I have a bit of a different relationship with the Blue Jays than a lot of other people who are listening to this right now. And it's often our job to kind of go in on individual games, you know, you more so than me. So at the end of the season, a lot of games stand out to you. But when you are more generally a fan and you look back on a Blue Jays regular season, like there might only be, I don't know, I don't, and maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe I'm using my own experience from when I was younger, but it feels like, oh yeah, there's 162 games, but there's like four of them that stand out. You know what I mean? And that's not fair because there's many great ball games over the course of the year, but there's 162 of them. And to have one of them, that is going to stick with people be this one is so amazing. And like, it's something we're going to talk about, you know, for a long time. Like I could see myself being an old ass man being like, Oh, the one time (laughs) the blue days went to Fenway park and they hung 28 on a Red Sox team that thought it was good. Uh, Like that's cool. It was amazing. Oh, but also to your point uh, and not, not necessarily great. And I'm like, my memory's not good. Uh, But like, like just last year, like how many, like incredibly memorable games were there. I mean, I remember Mark Simeon's uh, throw against yeah, the Tigers. Yeah, that's the fir- first one that came to mind is that one. And that's, remember, you know, that wasn't the best game they played. The A's, uh, to, yeah. you know, to be kinder to Simeon. But like other than those, those two, I don't know. I'll remember this one though, yeah. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I think the things you'll remember from it is it's going to be that grand slam. Like that's going to live for a long time. Like that's going to be <laughs> it's going to be a blooper. It's, it's more of a blooper than a highlight, to be honest. Yes. Um, the so six... They scored eighteen more runs after that. <laughs> it's so <fucked> up. <laughs> uh, I the six hit game. I don't know. I, that doesn't do a ton for me. I understand that's a record, but it's a tied record. And I also kind of liked that Frank Catalanato had that record before. Maybe that's just like an irrational thing, but it's like a, it's something that 
you can remember that he was a Blue Jay by. Like you could easily yeah. forget oh, that Catalanado was a Blue Jay. Whereas Gurriel Jr., I don't think that's ever going to be a problem. Like he's intrinsically linked to this core of players, um, often kind of through his personality, even as much of his as his play. Whereas Catalanado is a footnote that a lot of people who didn't watch the Blue Jays at that exact time. Uh, will totally forget. And I thought he was a f- really fun hitter to watch hit, like sort of I pure, him, yeah. yeah, pure pro, uh, kind of sweet swing from the left side, but no real power. I don't know. Like he was just, he's the type of player. There's not a lot of guys like him around now. So I, I mean, obviously I'm not, I'm not exactly torn up about it, but uh, I would have been, <laughs> I would have been fine with him having that record. Uh, and the last thing is sort of this is more about the here and now than how we remember the game. And if you want to fill in the blanks, absolutely do, because I just told everyone who's listening to this podcast that I watch this and starts and stops. So uh, you're the better historian than I am. But one thing that, that one thing uh, <laughs> that I thought this was interesting about the game is it served as a little bit of a reminder of Danny Jansen and sort of what he's been doing. And, you know, partly because he doesn't play all the time, arguably doesn't play enough. And partly because he just hasn't had, the, you know, that kind of incredible run of power that he's been on. It's been stops and starts. It's been injuries and just recent, you know, the all-star break. It just it feels like it's been a while since we've seen Danny Jansen do those things that got us so worked up about what Danny Jansen could do and what he can be. And that conversation has been put on the back burner and it, it probably will continue to do so. But this game was a kind of shot in the arm where it's like, oh, yeah, true. Danny Jansen is still potentially doing those wild things at the plate that make <laughs> him an incredibly valuable player. And when he came up in the ninth and I was and there were a couple guys on and he could have set the record with a home run, like it, it felt like he was the right guy. Like and that's such a weird thing to think. But I'm like, in this moment, you need someone who to just hit a home run. And that's all that's the only outcome that means anything. I know in theory there could have been like a double and then another hit or whatever, but with two outs, that's not the way you're conceptualizing it. And I was like, okay, Danny Jansen at the plate. Like I could definitely see this happening. And that's just so different. The idea of on this team, him being a guy that you look to uh, for a big power outcome is still something we're all getting used to, but it was a nice little reminder. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Danny Bats, right? I mean, yeah, he uh, just yanking those balls to, to the left field line. It's really, it's really remarkable. Um, love it. Can, cannot get enough of it. Uh, and I think you're right. Like he does feel like that guy. It's uh, I don't even know if it's like sneaky power yet or like what what we would call it. It's like. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and uh, I think as as far as being a reminder of that, I mean, he was on the IL for a while. Like, I, I assume, you know, he was kind of cool before he got, you know, got hurt. But also, I assume, like, if you look back, which I haven't done, you know, to last September, or whatever the arbitrary endpoint we want to choose, uh, it's probably still really good. Like, what his power output has been over the last, like, 40 games, because he's barely played since like you know since the middle of last year which is all the more remarkable about it about the fact that yeah he's uh he's he's feeling it it's uh it, it you know it, it, it 20 home runs uh, is pretty good for a catcher and if he played a full season i feel he could do that and uh, and and you love to see it yeah, and I'm going to give you those numbers now. I appreciate right. you kind of putting a few more words across of that to let me do some clicking around. But so this is since, and this is not including today. So I'm sorry, folks, I'm not going to do that. 
but up until yesterday, since he came back from that magical arbitrary endpoint, August 31st, 2021, he's paid, played 46 games. In those 46 games, he has 15 home runs. Um, <laughs> he is slugged 697, and he has a WRC plus of 181. Uh, and so that's You're truly insane. astounding. Like it yeah. is, it remains astounding stuff. And again, I think with the Blue Jays, we're so spoiled in terms of the offensive talent, the compelling characters on this team, um, in in a variety of ways. But we often talk about Boba Shett, and it's like if Boba Shett were on another team, he would be the crown jewel, and he would be the thing that they're trying to build the franchise around. Uh, maybe that feels a little bit less true this year, but that's a conversation that we've had in the past. And if this was happening on a lot of other teams, like imagine you're, uh, you know, a dog shit Pirates team, and you're a Pirates fan, and you're looking for something to be excited about. Like this is the thing. This is like, oh my god! Like if this guy can stay healthy, this is crazy. Like this is blah blah. blah. And for the Blue Jays. It's become, yeah, it's become like a little footnote here. Like, oh, by the way, Danny Jansen is, he's like Barry Bonds a little bit with the power. I I would love to see him stay out. I mean, it's a, it, it, it's a pretty great situation. I don't know how you fit Moreno into it. And we've talked about this all year, but like, it's a pretty great situation to have him and Kirk as the duo, right? I mean, Kirk getting a lot of, you know, DH at bats, but not so much that you can't, you know, use the DH to rotate guys through as they like to do. Um, you know, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty great place to be for them. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, on that I, si- I'm like, uh, it makes me think of Moreno as a, as a trade chip more and more, but also Jansen should probably stay healthier before I start thinking about that. And also, you know, Moreno's, <laughs> you don't get, you don't get top five prospects in the game every day either. So. I mean, yeah, on that catcher thing, you know, the Blue Jays have 4.5 war from their catchers, and their catchers have a WRC plus of 133 right now. There's no one in the league who's like that. Like, the Dodgers just behind Will Smith are are kind of in that area a little bit, like Atlanta a little bit. But this is an advantage the Blue Jays have that just is head and shoulders above the rest of the league. And I, I did want to touch on the catcher situation because – we we got to talk Zach Collins a little bit here. Um, I got I've got some numbers on Zach Collins right now. He was promoted to the active roster on June 25th. So if you're listening to this tomorrow, he's been up for a month. He has three plate appearances in a month. He's appeared in three of those games. So and I, this is going to be a little bit tacky to do the money thing, and I'm not using it as a tool to say players are overpaid. Um, you know, the players are the game. There's a ton of money in the game. They should be getting that money. They're world-class entertainers, even Zach Collins. This is not where I'm going with this. However, three <laughs> plate appearances, good for $116,667. Or I looked it up by pitches seen, uh, and it's about $8,974.36 per pitch seen which feels like maybe not the most optimal way to use a roster spot. It feels like the Blue Jays are playing with one fewer roster spot than everyone else because he has become an emergency catcher. And you know what other teams do with emergency catchers? They just get one of their position players to be that. They don't use a whole roster spot on it. And it's, I mean, you can talk about Zimmer and Zimmer's usage is kind of wild in a different way in terms of his 
plate appearances to games. Like it's one of the most extreme usages in the league, but you can talk yourself into the time and place. Zach Collins, this spot on the roster, I think they just need to free their minds. The idea that they're going to have to take a little bit of a risk with these catchers here. And uh, you know, if one of them gets hurt, the other one comes in from DH and you lose that spot and you just pinch hit it. It, you know, it's not the end of the world. So I, I think that at the deadline, we were talking about kind of the less sexy things that they might do in terms of getting bullpen help and a you know back end starter. I think you gotta think about that bench position and what you're doing with it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely true. But uh, I mean, it is a different era, right? With the with the hard thirteen and thirteen, right? Like you know, a, a roster spot isn't exactly a roster spot anymore. Like this, the, the definition has changed because that roster spot can't be used on a pitcher, which you know maybe. You know, if they were able to, I 1,000% oh, yeah. would be a pitcher. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, they're, the 40-man's yeah. tricky, right? Like the guys who are at AAA on the 40-man who are easy to use are Vinny Capper and Otto Lopez. So you always have to think about what's the alternative. Would they get any value from those guys? I don't know. I mean, I, Otto Lopez has been sort of hot recently but is not having a good year. I think we can agree that Vinny Capra is just a guy and that might be a generous interpretation. Uh, I, but I would almost, I would just rather have one of those bodies up just cause I don't know, pinch running something like occasionally I mean, pinch running for guys late in games, a little Zimmer. <laughs> I mean, I don't even, is that worth, is that worth taking the bats away from them? I guess is the thing, right? It's, it's the same thing as Zimmer, right? It's like, the, you know, Collins is a guy who, they don't care if he doesn't get time to develop. Like he is what I he mean, is, and that's and that's what he's there for. He's got an option. He'll be, he'll go down to to AAA when they add another guy to the, the to the to the roster at the deadline, and they'll they'll be able to call him back up if a catcher gets hurt. And that's like literally his job. So he's doing his job. His job is just sitting around just in case there's an opportunity. So. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I struggle with it because, for example, we talk about Shohei Otani and what makes him so great, partly, is that not only do you get all this production from him, he also saves your team a roster spot. And that's been presented as a big part of his value and a rationale why people might pursue even fringier two-way players in the future for that Honestly, flexibility. Honestly, Hag- Hagen Danner, uh, if, he, if he was pitching better or healthy or whatever the hell's going on, I mean, he's on the 40-man. Like, there's your emergency catcher right there. Yeah, that would actually put him in the that'd pool. be nifty. Yeah. I didn't, but, yeah, I don't know. It's, so if that's such a value that we talk about it all the time, then I think we need to acknowledge the lack of value here. But, again, you're probably waiting for the deadline, and I, I did want to touch on the Conforto rumor. Right. Uh, I the, the Scott Boris of it all was like, oh, the teams are pursuing them, but not all of them are in the state. Like, I don't know. He said it weirdly um, because he says everything weirdly. Uh, there wasn't there wasn't an ex- – they're all in the United States except for ones, he said of it. Mm, that's, um, that's one way to describe every major league team, though. Yeah, I mean, I guess kind of blowing up the Blue Jays spot on that. It's, uh, but I don't know. I'll take that over just a lengthy nautical metaphor that doesn't go anywhere, which is sort of his mo. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot about your your disdain for Scott Boris's metaphors. I yeah, it's a problem with me. I I have an affection for the English language and general coherence, um, and it's you know it's a bar that I can't always rise to, but at least I aspire to it, and I feel like he doesn't even care uh, about being coherent. 
uh, anyway, Conforto is interesting because you could say there is a perfect left-handed bench bat, something that has been less of an acute need in recent weeks with Tapia and uh, Biggio being pretty good. But still, you know, like a better bat than Collins would be and someone you'd feel more comfortable if someone got hurt. And, you know, the Blue Jays, their position player core looks really good right now. But if, you know, because they're barely using their bench, it kind of shows how much they're running their stars out there. And if one of them uh, gets injured, they're in a bit of a tough spot. He's the sort of guy where if, I don't know, Teoscar Hernandez got injured, you might feel more comfortable with him over a longer period of time. He's obviously a huge health question mark we literally don't know when he might be ready but um you know we saw this with the dodgers and cole hamels they kind of signed him and like crossed their fingers and threw a million bucks at it and i don't think that's necessarily the worst idea for the blue jays considering how thin this bench is yeah no i i think you're bang on there like i mean like you say zach collins as an option, also, and you can, you know, uh, absolutely throw the conforto. If you're not, if you have a bench spot that is literally not being used at all, perfect guy for that. Uh, especially because you don't have to lose. Not that losing Collins would be like a massive deal, but you don't have to lose him even to like take a flyer on a guy like that. Uh, and frankly, I mean, probably probably do without Bradley Zimmer too. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's really about opportunity for him. I'm sure, like he want he'll want to get playing time. He'll want to, you know, give people reason to like think about paying him next year. So I'm not sure the Jays are like the right opportunity for him because he's not gonna. He would have to be that kind of bench guy and not get a lot of a lot of like guaranteed at bats. That might, and I suspect, would make him like look elsewhere first before the before the, he would go to the Jays, but. Um, yeah, it will only cost money if he's willing to do it. I, I don't know that I would like get into a bidding war for him, but I assume that wouldn't, you know, whatever. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I mean, like you say, there's very few players who only cost money kind of at this stage in the game who can help you potentially the way he could. Could be really good. He's had really yeah. good years. He's, yeah. he's a good player. Yeah, he's been a very real middle-of-the-order bat for quite some time. And even when he wasn't good most recently, he was still – sort of average and a sort of average left-handed hitter. Um, not necessarily easy to come by and something the Blue Jays could potentially use. Like you said, you could even throw Zimmer's uh, spot in the on the bench into question because I think at the end of the day, while he does have that defensive utility, you'd probably just say, okay, we'll, uh, we'll roll the dice on a couple of days with Tapia or even Teoscar in center, and we know that that's bad, but we'll get some offense as opposed to the Zimmer times, which are dark. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, yeah, like you I said. Zimmer I, has, like, somebody said during the 20, like the 28-run game, somebody I saw on Twitter was like, Zimmer has eight hits all year, and Lourdes has six tonight. Yeah, I, I mean, like, it's funny. I because that's he, correct, but it felt right enough that I remember it. It is correct. I've checked that <laughs> now. You know what? Six of those hits are for extra bases. So Ooh, the guy's got either. some power. Uh, well, it's funny. He's having the exact opposite experience as Collins, right? Because he's getting out there. He's getting his run in. Like he's uh, he's moving around. He's appeared in the majority of Blue Jays games. He's played at sixty-seven games. Does that like how does that Crazy. number strike you? That's bizarre, but it makes sense because it's like why not use him late in games? Collins uh, is the opposite. I think it, yeah. I'd be interested to have someone do like a big sit-down interview with Collins. Probably not going to happen, but it kind of depends on his mindset, right? Like there's a version of him that's like, this is a good gig. 
and then there's probably the version of him that's like, this is terrible. And it's probably the <laughs> second one because of the way athletes tend to be wired and like you don't generally make it that far with the attitude of I'd like to do as little work as possible and get paid as much as possible, which is not yeah, actually most people yeah, have, but it's not ideal. That, but yeah. Maybe not in uh, professional not, sports. No. <laughs> okay. Well, let's, let's leave it there with the uh, psychological profile of Zach Collins. If he wants to come on the show and talk about his uh, he's, if he's a listener and wants to come on and talk about this, we'd love to have you. Uh, Zach, we appreciate your tweets, much like we appreciate all you guys calling in and listening afterwards. Uh, We have not set our schedule again for next week yet because we are disorganized, but it will happen and we will communicate it to you guys over the Twitter. So we will see you soon. Indeed we will. Thanks, everybody.